Welcome to the MD Fantasy Podcast, episode number seven. I'm Mike Dino. I'm with Dan Coster. Today we have an exciting episode for you. We got bold predictions. I had trouble finding my poll predictions. I was up till legitimately 3 a.m. trying to uh, maneuver some things around. We were texting though, Dan. We were looking at prop bets, so we got a little offhand. How you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good, man. One week away from kickoff. I can't and wait, man. How fucking good does that feel? Bucks Dallas week one. You got any shares in that game yet? Got Amari Cooper, man. I got Amari Cooper going. Hopefully he can make a, a nice splash to kick off the season for me. Bucks minus seven. I thought that was a little steep, but we'll That's see. That's steep as shit. It's steep as shit, actually. Um, We play each other, for the listeners. We play each other week one in fantasy. You got Amari. I got Dak. So enjoy that. But I'm a heavy fan. I'm a 30-point favorite right now. How does that make you feel? Relax, I got some moves to make, some news will break, uh, we'll, we'll recap it after the damn week, alright? Alright, um, as always, speak up a little bit, your level's a little low, but... I mean, I'm screaming, Alright, no, you're good now, your levels are up now. Alright, let's jump into the biggest news from the week, Cam Newton axed, released, on his couch. This is a boost for all Patriots, Correct. I guess a little smidge. I think there's some big-time overreacting going on, but yes. I mean, the overreaction on Damian Harris is crazy. It has gotten a little too much. I mean, Damian Harris over Daryl Henderson, just like that. Just like that. Mac Jones is the starter. Sony goes. I mean, I don't think Sony was going to have much of an impact in New England. And now it's like, you know, Damian Harris is a top-20 guy locked and loaded, I think. There needs to be some pause. Yes, could Damian Harris have 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns? Easy, no problem. That's certainly in his range of outcomes. But I hate to break the news to you, man. Ramondre Stevenson, I think this guy's going to be a little thorn in Damian Harris's side. This guy's going to play, had an amazing preseason. I'm, I'm just a little skeptical of Damian Harris going as high as he is. I mean, over Daryl Henderson, crazy how fast things change. Little cautious for me. Obviously, he's a fine RB two, but for where you're taking him, I'm not sure if there's value there at all. Especially for a guy that's not going to catch any passes. Damian Harris averaged five yards per carry last year, seventy-five yards per game. You have to figure those numbers. At least the yards potentially could come up. Where Harris struggled last year was the touchdown department. Two touchdowns. Cam Newton, thirty-one carries. Inside the 10. Cam Newton, 12 rushing touchdowns. Rex Burkhead, 7 touchdowns. Is there room for Damian Harris to practically put up the same numbers he did last year, but score 10 touchdowns? Who's Who else is getting the goal line carries? It's not going to be Mac Jones. It's not going to be Rex Burkhead anymore. It's probably not going to be James White. I'd be surprised if the Patriots just throw Ramadre Stevenson in there and give him, you know, 6 to 8 touchdowns. There's a good chance that Damian Harris scores 10 touchdowns. There is, but do you want to rely on that at a fourth-round cost? I don't know. And there's also, I mean, why can't they throw more at the goal line? They brought in Hunter Henry, red zone threat. Jonu Smith, red zone threat. Oh, they're going to throw I think that's, that's an a good option. Point. Right, like, that's an option. So, they like, didn't Damian throw Harris is fine. Here in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, Damian Harris is a fine RB, too, but, I mean, he's going in the fourth round. I The way I'm drafting, I just can't take a Damian Harris over a DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, and I look a lock at a T. Higgins. I can't pull that trigger, so that's just me. Cam Newton, eight passing touchdowns last year, 12 rushing touchdowns. Crazy. That's a good point you bring up. So we keep saying, oh, Cam Newton had all the goal line carries. Well, that was because the Patriots didn't throw the ball at the goal line. Yeah, I mean, I don't got much, much else to say about Damien. So, again, would you take, obviously, you still take Henderson over Damien Harris. What about Gus Buss or Damien Harris? I mean, they're exactly the same, in my opinion, right? I mean, they're kind of going around the same spots all of a sudden in drafts. I think they're basically the exact same player, to be honest with you. They're not going to catch any passes. First and second down, you know, rushers and good, behind good offensive lines. And 
decent offenses, right? I mean, Baltimore's offense is, is better than the Patriots, but they project the same. I mean, 200 carries, probably 1,000 yards, 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns is probably their ceiling. So if you want to spend a fourth-round cost at that, it's all you. Harris or Miles Sanders? Probably still go on Miles, but I don't like – I mean, Miles Sanders would have to be there in, like, the eighth round for me to take him, like, honestly, like – because I'm just drafting wideouts in, in these spots. Speaking of receivers, the Patriots, all you have to think all the Patriots receivers get a boost because Cam Newton could not throw the ball, and now at least you have somebody that, in Mac Jones, that at least has a chance to throw the ball. I guess the biggest riser from New England's got to be Jacoby Myers, right? We saw him kind of triumph as that number one option in the passing game last year with Cam Newton. But then again, New England did bring in a ton of skill players. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, John Smith. This is a crowded receiver corps, and on a week-to-week basis, it's going to be pretty difficult to project which one leads the team in targets or yards. Do you have a favorite of this group? Is Jacoby the number one? Are you targeting anybody in this receiving group now? Yeah, I like Jacoby at the right price. I mean, he's a guy where he's going could easily catch like 75 to 80 balls, I think. Just based on volume, like who, like do you think Mac Jones is gonna pepper Kendrick Bourne? No. Do you think Mac Jones is gonna pepper Nelson Aguilar? No. Well, is Jacoby Myers John- better than Nelson Aguilar? I think so. Based on last year, I mean, it, Aguilar kind of broke out last year a little bit, but. I mean, I think their profiles are different. I don't see Nelson Aguilar dominating a target share. Like uh, Jacoby can, sure, if you need a deep bomb and Aguilar, you know, for 60 yards down the field, yeah, you're going to throw to Aguilar. But, I mean, Nelson Aguilar had, what, 50 catches last year, if that? Yeah, Aguilar had three catches per game. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Jacoby Myers, I like him. I like where he's going in drafts. Jonu Smith, the other guy that I think he's kind of being a little slept on. I mean, Hunter Henry's got a shoulder issue right now. I don't know if he's going to be out there or what for week one or two. I like Jonu as a player. We know what the Patriots and their tight ends, you know, and that history is all about. For Jonu, I mean, he's going like 12th tight end off the board. I think there's upside there for uh, improvement. Even if Hunter Henry comes, let's say Hunter Henry plays week one. It's, who's the number one tight end? I think it's Jonu. You think Jonu over Hunter Henry? I, I mean, ADP says that too, no? I mean, I don't say it with confidence, but I mean... I have no confidence that Jonu, if both are healthy, Jonu will have more targets than Hunter Henry. Put it this way, I'm not punching a hole in the wall that if Jonu Smith is my tight end. And I, I waited on a tight end. That's what, I'm, that's what I mean. Okay, fair enough. Jacoby Myers or DJ Chark? <sighs> Mama. Probably going Myers. I'm off that Chark train, man. Jacoby Myers or Debo Samuel? Probably Debo. Yeah, I think I'm Debo as well. Jacoby Myers or Darnell Mooney? Myers, I think. That's pretty, the range he's Pretty safely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jacoby Myers is a wide receiver four. And a deep league flex. And a deep league flex. All right, let's move on. Interesting note out of San Fran's last preseason game, which was played Sunday evening. They used Trey Lance practically how the Saints used Taysom Hill. We know Jimmy Garoppolo is being paid as a top 10 quarterback. Could the 49ers potentially use Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback this year and use Trey Lance as a Taysom Hill? I mean, sure, all options are on the table, right? But, I mean, if they do this, if they do this, people are going to be so effing mad. Because I, I spent the pick on Trey Lance. I was bald in our draft, Mike. Kind of eating it right now, but I think I'll be okay. Trey, You mean to tell me the 49ers trade up for Trey Lance, take him at third overall, and they're going to use him in a Taysom Hill roll? I'm not. I can't possibly buy that. The alternating drives and all this sh- BS is is honestly mind-blowing to me. Shanahan's a smart dude. He's still not revealing who his starter is. It's probably going to be Jimmy G. Trey Lance will definitely have, like, his own package, I think, no matter Mm -hmm. what the week is. But, I mean, what is the competitive advantage 
to alternating drives with Jimmy Garoppolo. What can what can Trey Lance do that Jimmy Garoppolo can? I just don't understand the alternating drives. Like, doesn't make much sense to me. Like, it's, I don't think Jimmy G's that good personally, so I don't understand. I don't understand it at all. I mean, Garoppolo's practically just one games. Even though his stats aren't great, and I don't think he's a great player. He's really just one when he's played. And it scares me a little bit that the 49ers use Trey Lance in this role. And I don't, I don't anticipate this happening all year long, but is it moronic to say that Trey Lance could not start a game to like week six? Maybe week eight? No. I don't think it's moronic. Maybe on the 49ers' behalf it might be a little moronic. But like we've said a thousand times, the 49ers open up with a super soft schedule. So if they go, you know, 3-0, and 4-0, Jimmy G's been starting this whole time. It's going to get a little dicey for the Trey Lance owners, and that's including myself. So we'll see how it shakes out. I just can't imagine them drafting Trey Lance and just using him in, like, two packages, you know, down by the Reds. Like, come on, man. You drafted this guy to be your franchise quarterback. Hate to be that guy, but Patrick Mahomes sat out his year one behind Alex Smith. Sure. Does Alex Smith and Jimmy Garoppolo... Profile of similar quarterbacks? I'd say so. They both have shown capabilities to win in the NFL. And Lance and Mahomes are both high-profile draft picks. A week ago, or two weeks ago, we both had Lawrence, Sorry, we both had Lance over Fields. That is absolutely out of the question. I think you have to move Lawrence over Lance as well. He was another guy we had below Lance. Just based on the fact that Lawrence is starting right now, and Justin Fields... You have to think he's starting by week two or week three. While Lance, we just don't know at this point when he's going to be starting. Yeah, and it really sucks. The reason I went Lance over Fields, this is a week ago now. So, I pro- you know, the smart thing is to probably take Fields over Lance. But I went Lance over Fields. Better system, better run scheme. That helps Trey Lance. Better offensive line, better coaching, better schedule. Like, everything checks out for Lance, in my opinion. Better weapons. What is what's the advantage that Field has around them that Lance doesn't? To me, there really isn't playing. Any. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess a month earlier, but that's just the, like I don't trust Matt Nagy as a coach. I trust Shanahan as a coach to put you know Lance in good situations. I mean, if Trey Lance, I mean, the options that Trey Lance is going to have on RPOs is going to be unethical real when he steps in like this offense is going to be crazy when Trey Lance whenever he takes over that's 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 what I could leave it at by moving along here yesterday the Vikings came out and said Irv Smith will likely miss the entire season just detrimental to Irv Smith shareholders like myself I drafted Smith as a high upside backup tight end in our league on Saturday I was looking forward to uh, parlaying him with a receiver and just making a splash. That's out the window now. Tyler Conklin now steps in as a starter. Is Conklin the sneakiest start of all time, week one? I kind of think so. I mean, the sneakiest of all time. He's going to be out there. I like, you know, I mean, I don't know if you're doing this in your season long league starting Tyler Conklin week one. That's That's some balls on you. But, I mean, for daily. Conklin's going to be definite, definite week one target for Daly. Vikings traded for Chris Herndon. Then there's no way that Chris Herndon steps in. We, I mean, Chris Herndon couldn't play in the Jets. Now he has to learn a whole new playbook in a week and a half. I could see Chris Herndon, I mean, he's going to take at least, what, a month to get accustomed to that playbook? At least. Conklin's going to be least. the third option in the pass game? Fourth, maybe. Cook. Conklin, definite name to monitor. Should Conklin be selected in redraft leagues? Depends on the size of the league, but probably not. I mean, if there's, I could probably rattle off like 15 tight ends ahead of him. Like, I'd rather commit. I'd rather Gerald Everett. Like, after that, it's Conk, it's Conk Daddy. I just want to say, you know, the tight end darts have really taken a hit, huh? Over the course of the last month. I mean, Troutman, gone. Ferk Daddy, gone. Well, not gone, but just his role's gone. Irv Smith, gone. I mean, the dart throws have been just taken right out of our hands. And now we're not left with anybody. So if you drafted a tight end early on, man, seems like the advantage got even wider if that was even possible. Yeah, totally agree with you. We were saying if you miss out in the big three punt tight end, 
I'm not too confident doing that. Who like who's the best dart throw now at tight end? I guess Gerald Everett, Cole Komet, but I don't feel comfortable starting those guys. I need to see them really do something before I want to put them in my lineup. Sure. Who who's the tight end dart now? I think it's Everett. That's my favorite one. I was able to snag him in our league. I mean, do I feel stoked about it? No. <laughs> but for punting a tight end, I mean, as tight end, what, 15 off the board in our league, whatever it was, could be the third option in the past game in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I've seen worse starts. Are you more inclined to draft a tight end earlier now that you just mentioned Ferk Daddy's toast, Trout John's toast, Yerv Smith toast? I mean, if the price is right, you know, if there's receivers I like, I mean, like Kyle Pitts in home leagues is going like top 40. You know, there's a price tag on that guy. I'm not willing to pay that. It's like, would you rather Cooper Cup or Kyle Pitts? Because that's honestly a decision that, you know, Robert Woods or Kyle Pitts probably going the wide out there. You know, I just. I mean, to me, Woods and Cup have been round three guys, while Pitts is more likely around sure. five guys. I think a better comparison would be. Like, either th- pick your poison on Hawkinson, Andrews, and Pitts. You could kind of have him in any order. Those three guys against, like, maybe a DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson type player. Are you now maybe inclined to go with the tight end over that wide receiver three? We know wide receiver is incredibly deep this year. And while Andrews, Hawkinson, Pitts, you know, might not have that Darren Waller upside, the guys at least who can, more so in Andrews and Hawkinson's case, plug and play every week really depends on on what wideout it is you know if the board's looking like juju sutton and galladay you know it's like the best wideouts available and hawkinson's there or somebody like that yeah i'll take hawkinson but you know if dj moore deontay johnson Ayuk are there like i'm probably taking those wideouts so really depends on your preference you know if you hate dj moore and you love hawkinson take freaking hawkinson you know mm-hmm. so you know it depends i think my cutoff is like the DJ, I think DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson would be like the two last receivers that I take over those tight ends. But it also depends on my roster construction. If I don't have a running back two or tight end, I'm gonna be inclined to grab one of you know an Andrews. I had a, I had a draft yesterday and I believe I took Andrews over DJ Moore. I already had CD Lamb and AJ Brown and I didn't have a tight end or running back two. So I went with Andrews. I made the right move. Yeah. So I I, I thought that was the right move. You mentioned Brandon Ayuk. I'm definitely taking Andrews over Ayuk. Moving along here, the Colts put T.Y. Hilton on the short-term IR. He'll miss likely three or four weeks. Does Michael Pittman move up your draft board? Uh, I think he stays the same, but I'm probably more inclined to take him, if that makes sense. you know. I mean, Wentz seems like he's going to be out there week one. Hilton obviously being out helps Pittman. Pittman, a popular, trendy breakout like a few months ago. Kind of the steam died down on him. Pittman, fine, a fine wide receiver for a flex. I'll pose you this question, Jacoby Myers or Pittman? Pittman, easy. Wow. Yeah, that's an easy one. Wow. Interesting. I think Pittman is, without a doubt, the number one target on Indy. Fair enough, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm with you. Jacoby Myers needs more to go right than Michael Pittman needs to go right. Michael Pittman has a chance to just smash his ADP. He's going to be the number one target on Indy, without a doubt. But the Colts will lean on the run as well, but the Patriots have far more mouths to feed. And you have to think, I guess at this point, a bigger question mark at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, everybody, you know, oh, Mac Jones is an upgrade. What if Mac Jones just sucks? Like, it's very possible, man. Like, it's not a lock. Is he going to be a clone of Tom Brady? <laughs> Sorry, let's not get into this. He just please. fits that Belichick, Bel- that Belichick protocol. White quarterback that can't move. Dan, any other news you want to um, jump on before we get into the bull predictions? Well, I guess I'll mention it, and then this will lead right into my bold predictions. Saquon apparently has a strong chance to play week one. Will he be limited? Who knows? Will he suit up? Probably, but... Don't be shocked if he just gets, you know, five touches or something like that week one. I also want to mention week two, the Giants play a Thursday night game. How much do they want to use Saquon in week one? Do they want to save him for that week? You know, who the hell knows? So with that being said, my first bold prediction, Mike, Saquon Barkley will play in every game 
and does not finish as a top 10 running back. Reasoning. Doesn't trust his knee. Like I, I've mentioned that. Will Saquon trust his knee? Mm-hmm. O-line is so bad. I mean, Andrew Thomas, the preseason, it's like a swinging gate. He can't even put a hand on anybody. The Giants all around just dealing with injuries. Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, Saquon, Kenny Galladay, Starius Slayton hurt his foot. They're banged up all around. Jason Garrett's a complete dope. I don't think this team's scoring many points. If Saquon scores less than, like, seven touchdowns, I mean, how, the top ten is not, I don't think, out of the question. Obviously, this is bold. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it might happen. But we've been off Saquon this whole time. I'm not getting on the bandwagon now. What do you think about that, Boldy? I don't hate it at all. We watched the Giants offense against New England, who didn't even really play all their starters. Daniel Jones sucks. He's awful. Daniel Jones is awful. Their offensive line is putrid. I am still so mad that the Giants did not take an offensive line with their first-round pick. They decided to trade down and then take Kadarius Toney. I just can't understand it. You have a glaring need at offensive line. And before I got kicked off my radio show at work, I was very adamant on the Giants getting an offensive lineman with the first pick, and they traded back and took a receiver, and they made me look like a dope, and I hope that it backfires on them. Jason Garrett is a clown. Daniel Jones is a clown. Andrew Thomas should be ashamed of himself. How are the Giants going to be good? They're not. And I'll tell you what, Kadarius Tony. I mean, this guy might, like, redshirt this season. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to see the field, I don't think. Well, you just mentioned so, Slayton's but... hurt, Galladay's hurt. Ingram's oh, yeah, in that hurt. instance, yes. But if they're all healthy, I mean, how's he stepping on the field? The Giants' offensive line sucks! And they decided to take a damn receiver after they just paid Kenny Galladay $80 million. Riddle that one to me, please. I can't. Andrew Thomas is a brick wall. That's it. He, moves, um, he turns like a cruise ship. The guy is a straight-up bum. Should I keep going with my baldies, or do you want to rotate here? I'll go to my first bold prediction. All right. Ah, ah, man, I like my boldy number one. Let me get my papers together. The MD Fantasy bold prediction number one. Bear with me here. My notes are all over the place. I'm not the most organized guy on the planet. Bold prediction number one. Austin Eckler sets the NFL record for receptions this year. Atomic bomb uh, dropped. At running back, yes. Just to reiterate, Austin Eckler sets the NFL record for receptions by a running back this year. Do you know who has a record right now, Dan? Christian McCaffrey. He had 116 catches in 2019 on 142 targets. In 2019, when Christian McCaffrey set the NFL record for receptions by a running back, Panthers running backs had 154 targets total the Chargers running backs in 2019 had 182 targets to their running backs Austin Eckler only had 108 well why did Austin Eckler only have 108 because Melvin Gordon had 55 Melvin Gordon obviously gone now let's go to 2020 Chargers second in the NFL in running back targets 160 Austin Eckler missed six games. Melvin Gordon was not with the team. You know who was getting targets last year for the Chargers? Kalen Balazs. You know what team Kalen Balazs is on now? Steelers. Correct. And Justin Jackson, who for all we know, is going to be a third running back on this team. That being said, it's a good chance that Austin Eckler catches 80% of the targets out of this backfield, right? 2018, the Chargers were fifth in the NFL in running back targets. So for the last three years, 2018, they were fifth. 2019, they were first. 2020, they were second. They were only behind Washington, who we know was anemic on offense, and they were just dumping the ball off to J.D. McKissick all year long. That's not going to happen again. The icing on the cake, Joe Lombardi, the Saints offensive coordinator from 2016 to 2020, is now the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. 
Let's go back to running back targets in 2016. Joe Lombardi's first season as offensive coordinator in New Orleans. Saints first. This was without Alvin Kamara. Mark Ingram and Travis Cadet combined to lead the NFL in running back targets in 2016. In 2017, the Saints first in running back targets. That was when they drafted Kamara. They also had Ingram. In 2018, the Saints third. In 2019, the Saints third. In 2020, the Saints third. You bring Joe Lombardi, a guy who was in his five years as an offensive coordinator, top three every year in running back targets. You now bring him to the Chargers, who have been top five in running back targets for the three years that Austin Eckler has been there. You take away Austin Eckler's number one competitor for targets in Melvin Gordon. We obviously have the 17th game this year. If Austin Eckler is healthy, expect the Chargers to see about 175-plus targets from their running backs this year. It sets up perfectly for Austin Eckler to break the NFL record in receptions this season. Bombshell dropped. Rebuttal me. I can't because it's a lock. It's going to happen. So It's a good stat, no? I brought some heat. <laughs> yeah. The reasoning is there. Makes sense. I think, you know, obviously setting the NFL record is bold. But I don't, I mean, in Eckler's range of outcomes, 100 receptions, it's certainly there. You know, whatever the percent chance it is, I mean, would it, it would be certainly obviously impressive as all hell if Eckler gets, you know, over 100 catches. But would it shock you by season's end? I mean, 2019, so this is the year that McCaffrey set the NFL record for receptions. And then last year that Austin Eckler was healthy. The Chargers running backs had 28 more targets than the Panthers running backs. And Melvin Gordon was the sole reason why Eckler didn't get that 140 to 150 target range. The same range that McCaffrey had. Melvin Gordon's gone. Kalen Balaj, who was second on the team in targets, is gone. Justin Jackson just does not fit that prototype as a pass catcher. Neither does Joshua Kelly. You gotta think 80 to 85% of the targets from the running back position are gonna go to Austin Eckler. And if they're in that 100 to 75 or 170 plus range for team targets at the running back position, he's legitimately going to set the record. Hey man, I like it. I'm not gonna argue against that. You know, I hope people come back. We gotta revisit this by season's end. See, uh... See if we were on any of these. Well, what know? about if we completely are wrong and we delete it from the catch and it's never to be seen again? Well, so. it is both predictions, Mike. I mean, what's the hit rate on these? So, Mike, where do you have Austin Eckler ranked on your top on your running back list now? That's got to be the question, right? I moved him to six. I moved him ahead of Aaron Jones. I moved him ahead of JT. He's obviously ahead of Saquon Barkley. And full PPR, Austin Eckler is my number six running back. Can't argue it. All right, there it is. Book it. What, just Austin Eckler for you. Austin and PPR. Austin Eckler or Aaron Jones. I think I'm still going Aaron Jones. All you. But Eckler would be right after him. All right, please. Well, I wanted to. So we were, we were talking Jones. about Aaron Jones because I wanted to make originally. I wanted to make the prediction. Aaron Jones catches more balls than Alvin Kamara. But Green Bay just doesn't throw to their running back nearly as much as the Chargers. And I don't expect A.J. Dillon to catch many balls at all. But if he catches, like you said, even if he catches one and a half per game, just based on the last five years, how Green Bay has distributed their running back targets and how often they throw to their running back, it's going to be hard for Jones to get more targets than Kamara, especially that we think the Saints will just smash Kamara all year long. Yeah. So that that was that's an honorable mention. I like Aaron Jones to catch a ton of passes this year as well. Here's a question for you. Derrick Henry had 20 catches last year. Let's say Derrick Henry gets 30 catches this year. And let's say Christian and let's say Austin Eckler has 115 catches this year or sets the NFL record 120 catches. That's 90 more catches than Derrick Henry. Austin Eckler is going to finish ahead of Derrick Henry. 900 yards, but Austin... In, in full, yeah, probably. But Henry's going to smash him in touchdowns. 
if Eckler could just get to like eight touchdowns, man. Oof. Now, I don't know if odds makers will allow it, but can I parlay Austin Eckler, most catches in NFL history, with finishing ahead of Derrick Henry in full PPR leagues? Is that a uh, prop bet that Vegas will accept? I am not too sure about that one, to be honest. You're going to have to check your uh, your nice little book you got there. Okay, I could uh, delve into it. Maybe I take a trip to Vegas and I uh, get crazy. We might have to drive over to New Jersey and just oh, log yeah. into the DK and go crazy. Yeah, no, that'd be a fun Sunday trip. Bet like an absolute lunatic all day on Sunday. <laughs> and then come home and off myself. Dan, let's jump into your bold prediction number two. Cooper Cup leads the league in receiving touchdowns. People forget he was tied for second in the league in receiving touchdowns in 2019 with 10. That was with Jared Goff, man. Last year he had similar production. Azaria had 10 touchdowns. He only had three last year. It's going to go up with Matt Stafford. You should know my Cooper Cup spiel by now. The upgrade with Stafford. I mean, if we think Matthew Stafford's going to throw for what, Mike? How many touchdowns do you think? I mean, we were texting until 3 a.m. yesterday. What does DraftKings have the over-under at? I have no idea. It's got to be it's a stat you in should the have. 30s. All right, relax. Well, it's got to be in the 30s. Well, last year, Stafford threw for 26. You have to expect that to go up by better weapons, a better coach, and a better team by, what, 10? All right, let's be conservative here. Let's say 33. Okay, 33. Robert Woods, Robert Woods never been a big touchdown guy. Sony Michel, it, uh, yeah, apparently now all of a sudden he can catch passes out of the backfield. How many how many passing touchdowns are the running backs going to have? I mean, receiving touchdowns are the running backs going to have? Probably like five. Robert Woods, how many touchdowns is he scoring? Seven. That's 12 touchdowns. How many touchdowns has Higby scored? Six, seven, eight. That would be a lot. Right now. Yeah, I mean, there's still, what, 18 touchdowns about to go around? Sure, Van Jefferson will have like four. Djax will have like two or three. Cooper Cup, I think, could easily hit like 14 receiving touchdowns and lead the league. There's not much, you know, numbers behind this like you just had with Eckler, but other than pure logic that Stafford's better than Jared Goff and Cooper Cup almost did it before. I love Cooper Cup. You love Cooper Cup. Shram's offense is going to be dynamite. Robert Woods, not a known touchdown scorer. What do you think? Yeah, I like Cooper Cup. I like that Rams offense. We were checking out some lines in DraftKings yesterday. It seems as if Vegas loves the over and Matt Stafford passing yards and both Cup and Woods receiving yards. Vegas likes the Rams. The public likes the Rams. Everybody's on the Rams this year. I mean, just based on simple logic, Matt Stafford is going to probably have the best year he's ever had playing with the best team he's ever had and the best coach he's ever had. So, I like it. Yeah, Cheers. I like Cup. I like Cup. Cheers. All right, MD bowl prediction number two. Let me get my uh, nifty, difty notes out. I, ha- I have a lot of different bowl predictions. I asked some as we went. I have a few honorable mentions. All right. I mean, you got a Bible over there, man. I got five pages of notes, and I wrote pretty damn big, as you can tell. Alright, maybe not a Bible. Maybe a book in the Bible. Yeah, kill me. I got a chapter in a book. Bowl prediction number two, MD Fantasy. Tyler Boyd finishes as a top 15 wide receiver. He's being ranked as a wide receiver 38 right now in ESPN. I will let you shave my head if Tyler Boyd finishes below wide receiver 38. Joe Burrow last year, in the 10 games he played... Through 40.4 times per game, second in the NFL. I always like to ask you a trivia question. Do you know who first? Do you know who was number one in attempts per game last year? Attempts per game. Josh Allen. No, it was Big Ben. Wow. So Joe Burrow, second in the NFL in attempts per game. I know he's coming back from the major injury. Potentially, you know, it takes him, what, maybe one to two weeks to get back to 100%. Reports say right now that he's at least close to what he was last year. The bottom line is the Bengals stink. Their offensive line stinks. 
They're going to be playing a lot of catch-up this year. They're playing a tough division. And their defense is putrid. Joe Burrow is going to be throwing the ball a ton this year. But there's a lot of mouths to feed is your rebuttal, right? Well, A.J. Green in the first 10 games last season had 7.7 targets per game. We can give all those targets to Jamar Chase. A guy that's shooting down draft boards. And at this point, we don't even know what his role in the offense is. Do I like Jamar Chase as a player? Yes. But is it crazy to think that Jamar Chase takes a year to get accustomed to NFL speed? He didn't play in 2019. You just throw him in the NFL in 2020 after missing a whole year? Like, Dan, anything. If you don't do something for a year, and Jake brought this up, if you take off, if we took off playing fantasy for a year, we would be rusty as shit coming back the next year. It would take us. Think. It would take me seven to eight weeks <laughs> to get back into the swing of things. Jamar Chase, I think at this point, probably projects, and also another shout out to Jake, projects to put up similar numbers to Jerry Judy did last year. He'll show flashes. I don't think he's going to be a guy that you want to start every week. I think he's more so a wide receiver for this year. Give him all of AJ Green's seven point seven targets per game. And let him go and let him roll with it. I don't think Jamar Chase is getting more than eight targets per game. I don't, right? Probably less. Hope not. I yeah, hope probably not. less. <laughs> so then it comes down to Tyler Boyd versus T. Higgins. I have T. Higgins as my number 18 receiver right now. So I'm projecting Higgins to be the number one in this offense. But I just think, you know, for the sake of the bull predictions, I don't think it's crazy that Tyler Boyd would be the number one in this offense. Look at the numbers last year. Tyler Boyd. 8.7 targets per game. And these are all numbers with Burrow playing, obviously. In the 10 games played with Burrow, Tyler Boyd had 8.7 targets per game. T. Higgins, 7.8. Tyler Boyd, 71 yards per game. T. Higgins, 66 yards per game. Tyler Boyd, 16 targets inside the 20. T. Higgins, 11. Tyler Boyd was the number one receiver on the Bengals last year. Why is he not the number one receiver on the Bengals this year? Well, odds are it's because T. Higgins was a rookie, and you have to expect him to probably be better than he was in year two and year one. So I think there's probably like a 60% chance T. Higgins is the number one, op- the number one option in this pass game. But there's got to be, what, a 40% chance that Tyler Boyd is the number one option in this pass game. And if he is, he's a top 15 receiver. And he's being drafted as wide receiver 38 right now. I like it. Also, we'll get into the prop bets in a little here, but I want to point this out. Tyler Boyd to lead the league in catches. Plus 5,000. I mean, the guy's floor is probably 80 catches. So if everything aligns to what you just said, man, why can't he get like 110? Come to that? seems outlandish. At plus 5,000, it's worth a damn sprinkle, no? Yeah, sure, sure. You should just, <laughs> like, you should just take your money, walk outside, oh put it God. in the street, and then walk inside. Because personally, I think that's what you're doing. I like Boyd to yeah, finish top 15, but now we're going number one. Hold in, the phone in, a little bit. In receptions, I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, at plus 5,000. It kind of makes sense. If Burrow is number two in the NFL in pass attempts, could the number one receiver on the Bengals be top three in receptions? Sure. But to go back to my point, Tyler Boyd and every major stat outperformed T. Higgins last year. And now we're just kind of predicting T. Higgins to be the number one receiver. And the only logic behind it is he's going from year one to year two. Just based on what we saw last year, Boyd was the number one. Boyd's going to be the slot, but we also mentioned this in a podcast. The Bengals, second in the NFL in three wide receiver sets last year. So they're all going to play. If anybody's not going to play, it's going to be Jamar Chase. Yeah. So, bull prediction number two, Tyler Boyd, top 15. Love it. Moving on. Third, my third and final boldie, Odell is a wide receiver one again in fantasy this season. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, I'm a dead. Bold prediction. I'm and dead. We both like Odell. I don't like Odell that much. I've been burned by Odell the last two seasons, but go All on. Right. Baker gets another year in the Stefanski offense. That's going to help. They've already said they want to put more on. They have. They have already said they want to put more on his plate. 
allow him to make some calls at the line, play more up-tempo. We saw Baker get comfy in this offense late last year. Last year, from week 12 on, this was Baker's point totals by week, fantasy point totals. 18, 28, 28, 20, and then 8, and then 16. So really one clunker there over the course of, what, six weeks? Clearly, you felt more comfortable in the offense. You add Odell back. If Baker is scoring 28 fantasy points a week, obviously it's not going to happen. If he's scoring 20 fantasy points a week, and this continues on into the regular season, one, Baker Mayfield's going to be a QB one in fantasy. Two, Odell Beckham is going to play a major part in that. Who's Who is going to be catching the ball? We hate Jarvis Landry. Austin Hooper's a non-factor. Who's catching the ball? It's going to be Odell, man. If Baker's producing those type of fantasy numbers... Odell is going to be the beneficiary. Well, Landry, I want to rebuttal you. Landry is going to catch 70 to 75 balls, probably at his floor. He's not going to score, though, is he? Based on what? Based on Odell not scoring in the last two years? I mean, he never has. Put it this way. The Browns, right, they, they're going to want to run the ball. They're going to see some stack boxes, I like to think. I mean, if you get Odell on the outside... One-on-one coverage, the guy's gonna freaking eat. I don't care. I don't care who's guarding him. He's gonna eat. Third year now, Odell and Baker are together. I don't think the chemistry is gonna be an issue. You mean to tell me Odell can't finish as a top fourteen wideout in fantasy? No, I mean he's the number one receiver. That's what I'm saying. And if Baker shows anything from what he did in the second half last year, he's gonna have to score double-digit touchdowns. Yeah. So here's my logic for it. I don't think Odell's volume will be... So you look at some of the guys with you know immense volume that have a chance to be number one. Like Calvin Ridley, we know, is going to have great volume. We like Keenan Allen to have a lot of volume. Obviously, the big dogs and Adams, Diggs, Hill, Hopkins, they all have big-time volume. To me, Odell needs to pretty much have an A.J. Brown-type season. Now, A.J. Brown's numbers last season, which was wide receiver one, he only had five catches per game, but he had 77 yards per game and 11 touchdowns. That's what Odell's going to have to do. He's going to have to be very efficient, but we know Odell's a big play type of player. We know he's the number one receiver, the number one option on the Browns. And, like... Does he kind do the Browns and Titans somewhat have similar offenses? Like they're going to be a run first team? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you don't have room for a top 12 receiver. Not much needs to go right for Odell to be healthy. He just has to pretty much stay. Not much needs to go right for Odell to be the number one, you know, a top 12 receiver. He practically needs to be around seven, eight targets, which he's been in his two years with Cleveland. He's going to have to obviously stay healthy, which is a big if. Right. But he's going to really just have to, you know, progress. He's just going to have to go slightly up in the yards. He's going to need need to be about that 75 yards to 80 yards per game, which it's not crazy to think Odell Beckham has 75 to 80 yards per game. And then the big X factor will be the touchdowns. He needs to significantly go up there. Yeah, I got a a counter uh, point here about the volume. Kenny Galladay, what, two years ago? Guy caught, what, 70 passes? And he scored, what, 12, 11 touchdowns, whatever it was. I was a wide receiver one, man. So you mean to tell me Odell can't replicate that and probably a better offense than what Galladay played in in Detroit? Let me pull it up for you. Kenny Galladay in 2019. Here are his numbers when he was a wide receiver one. Four catches per game, 75 yards per game, 11 touchdowns. Odell can't do that. It's going to have to be, I mean, he's going to have to triple his touchdowns from the last two years. I mean, it's a bold prediction, man. No, I I don't think, for the bold predictions, I found that you just want to find something that, like, not that much needs to go right. Like, Odell Beckham, is he a top 12 talent per receiver? Absolutely. Is it unbelievable to say Odell Beckham scores double-digit touchdowns? Hell no. Hell Uh No. I like the prediction. We know we were laughing at it before I even started, so... Just because his range of outcomes is just so, so... Yes. 
Yes, like but... I've also been burned the last two years. Like last year, I said, "Oh no, bad. I traded for him. I traded up for him in our fourteen-man league last year, and I lost. I literally my season was over after I drafted Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and then traded up for Odell Beckham. So a little salty about him. And then I traded for him year one in Cleveland, thinking, "Oh, it's Odell Beckham." But now you have year three of it's it's year four now of Baker Mayfield, year two of Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't think that much needs to go right. So, I mean, we know the upside's there. Hell yeah. All right, bold prediction for MD Fantasy, numero three. I have a bunch here that I was deciding between. I was deciding between Gus Bus, 15 touchdowns, DK Metcalf to outperform Tyler Lockett. And I think... That's a bold prediction. I'll start with Gus Bus. J.K. Dobbins had eight touchdowns inside the five last year. And Gus Bus had six touchdowns. You have to think most of those go to Gus Bus. I think a lot needs to go right. We're banking on Tyson Williams and Justice Hill practically not getting any goal line carries. And then we're banking on Lamar Jackson not getting an increase on the goal line as well. And we're also banking on Baltimore not bringing anybody in. So I think too much needs to go right for Gus Edwards to get that 15 touchdown mark. But, I mean, he profiles as a great goal line back. He's 6'1", 240. So, as a bus. As he's, he's a Gus Bus. Like, you don't get the nickname Gus Bus for no reason. That was an honorable mention. I think too much needs to go right. My other honorable mention was Tyler Lockett outperforms DK Metcalf. I mean, you look at their targets per game and their targets inside the red zone. They're identical. Their touchdowns unless you were identical. That's what scares me, though, because Tyler Lockett's going to either need to score more touchdowns than him or get more yards than him. I don't think he's going to get more yards than DK Metcalf, who obviously profiles as a as a uh, big play receiver, and then, you know, Metcalf's a beast, so... I don't hate it at all. I mean, they're in the same exact... Not role, but like... Yeah. They're going to get the, the same amount of just, targets per game. They're literally just this... Uh, they have the same opportunity, basically. It's going to be hard for Lockett, who's going to play that underneath role, to get more yards than DK Metcalf. Lockett could get you deep, though, man. Don't sleep. All right, but well, yes, I know what you're saying. That's an honorable mention. My actual prediction is TJ Hawkinson finishes at a top three tight end. I don't think much needs to go right for Hawkinson to be a top three tight end. He's got absolutely no competition for targets. His number one competition for targets is legitimately Tyrell Williams and DeAndre Swift. Hawkinson's over-under via Vegas is 77 catches. That puts him automatically in the top five. What needs to go right for Hawkinson to be a top three tight end? He really just needs to be healthy, and Jared Goff kind of just has to be competent. If you compare Goff's numbers to Stafford's numbers last year, I know, you know, Goff had the better weapons and the better coach. But Goff attempted more passes a game than Stafford, and he threw for more yards per game than Stafford as well. This was also with the Rams having a great defense and not really needing to air it out too much. The Lions are going to suck. Their defense sucks. It's either going to be them or the Texans for the worst team in the league. Oh, Texans, easily. Okay, well, then they're going to be the second worst team in the league. Yes, yes, the yes. offensive line is actually decent in Detroit. Jared Goff does not throw the ball downfield. You could look at the A dot of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup if you don't believe me. Their A dot was both around seven, which is putrid. But that projects well for TJ Hawkinson to be a nice safety blanket for Jared Goff. Hawkinson last year, 101 targets, 67 catches, 723 yards, and six touchdowns. They now have 64% of the team's targets available. Like, what needs to go right for. Hawkinson to get 85 catches, 900 yards, and double-digit touchdowns. He had 15 red zone targets last year. The most targeted player in this offense in the red zone. Kenny Galladay's gone. Marvin Jones is gone, who were the other two red zone targets in this offense. I don't think much needs to go right. Hawkinson just needs to be healthy, and Goff needs to be practically just a starting quarterback. I don't hate it. I think the only concern I have with Hawkinson, I know you just said this about the red zone, is, I mean, if he hits 8 to 10 touchdowns, he's going to be 
<laughs> that might damn well hit, you know. But I'm just a little skeptical about the touchdowns because, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, how is Detroit like? How is Detroit physically moving the ball down the field? You know, like that's my only concern. Like they could be like that bad, you know. But I'm with you, man. The volume should be there. Should get 85 catches. I got, I got no rebuttals, man. Yeah, I mean, if you just compare his offense to, let's say, Baltimore's, Mark Andrews is being drafted over Hawkinson. I still have Andrews ranked over Hawkinson just based on the fact that he's been top five before. Baltimore's banged up. But the Lions are going to throw the ball much more than Baltimore is. I also think Andrews, though, could easily double up Hawkinson in the touchdown department. Yeah, well, that's probably going to be the X factor of the touchdowns. Goff only threw 20 touchdowns last year. Seems like a lot, honestly. And the offense is worse. The coaching staff is worse. Yeah. Not looking good in Detroit, man. And and to Oof. put some gravy on that, Lions, hardest schedule against quarterbacks, hardest schedule against tight ends. Oh, boy. Should I cut that out? That kind of doesn't help my argument. I think so much changes in the NFL, like... With defenses year to year that I don't look into strength of schedule too much. But I mean, at the end of the day, Detroit's going to be playing catch-up all year. TJ Hawkinson's the number one receiver on it. It just seems like kind of... Terrible team. (laughs) On a terrible team. It just seems like not much needs to go right. Like, Goff just has to be pretty much serviceable. Yeah, I mean... I don't love that one. move on. Maybe I should have went Tyler Lockett over Metcalf. Whatever. Honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. All right, moving along. Anything yeah. else before we? Uh, anything else we want to talk about? Yeah, man. I want to mention some props. Oh yeah, props, on, props, props, props. Was looking on DK Sportsbook, man. Some things stuck out to me. Obviously, we got some absolute insane dart throws. I'm gonna mention some that I think are locks. Um, obviously nothing's a lock, but you get my point. I want to kick it off with Raheem Mostert. Can I stop Lee? you quick? Can I stop you quick? Oh my! Don't throw the term lock around. Loosely, because you have some degenerate nice. gamblers. I don't know if right, maybe cool. they're listening to the podcast. God forbid they're hosting the podcast. You got some degenerate gamblers in this world. Don't start throwing the word lock around, because that's when you get yourself in trouble in the gambling world. Move right, well, on. then they could call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, I'm just, I'm trying to hype the people up, right? All right shoot, and shoot. I'm going to hype them up. I'm going to hype them up with this freaking plus money we're getting here. Raheem Mostert. To lead the league in rushing is plus 10,000. Plus 10,000. I think it's certainly worth a look for a guy who's in the best running scheme in the NFL. A team that says they want to run it 500 plus times. Yes, I know Raheem Mostert's you know, durability, all that stuff. If he gets 220 to 250 carries, averages five yards a clip, which he has been doing. I mean, at plus 10,000, Mike, that caught my eye. I mean, as your ultimate, ultimate dart throw slash sprinkle at plus 10,000 for a team in the best, you know, with the best run at rushing scheme. Just for the listeners, no, plus 10,000 means you put $10 to win 1,000. $100 wins 10,000. So, hey, Rohim Mostert. 10 to win a thousand it's it's, it's got to get the pecker going a little bit you're pretty much projecting trey sermon not to play at all though based on that logic well if they want to run 500 times like they said i mean <laughs> if let's say trey lance gets 100 carries raheem oster 250 you're at 350 right there sermon another 150 i think it checks out no? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't hate it. I think Trey Sermon practically needs to not play. But Raheem Mostert, when he's been healthy, he's been good. Sanford's going to pound the rock. Their philosophies run the ball. I think odds are if Jimmy Garoppolo plays, the longer Jimmy Garoppolo plays, the better chances Bet might have because Lance is stealing 8 to 10 touches per game. Listen, 10 to 1,000 gets my pecker going. So, sure, I don't Come hate on, it. Come on, man. Sure, I don't Plus hate 10, it. 000. Did you move Trey Sermon down in your rankings, though? 
No, it's come on, man. Stop with this nonsense. I mean, you need him not to play. Just to rebuttal. Yes, just for the sake of the podcast. I want to rebuttal. Gus Edwards, lead the league in touchdowns, right? All right, if uh, they don't sign anybody and Tyson Williams doesn't play, Gus yeah, Ed- might be worth a damn sprinkle. Might be worth 10, a 000. fucking sprinkle. Dead ass. Do you have uh, Gus Edwards via via DraftKings lead the league in touchdowns? I don't know if it was up there, to be honest with you. But- I was petrified when I saw Gus Edwards plus money on the over at seven and a half touchdowns. Because Vegas knows... And we know the public and assholes like me are jumping to that over. Jumping to that over. So he's going under. That was why I didn't make it my bull prediction. Because assholes like me think that Gus Edwards is going to get 10 plus touchdowns. And then Vegas is minus 130 and under 7.5. I mean, so they make money on clowns like me jumping to conclusions. Another prop. I'm not betting it, but I thought it was worth noting since we've basically ripped DeAndre Swift all offseason. Receiving yards. This line is set at 375 and a half. The under is favored at minus 120. That made us a little giggity last night seeing that number. I thought it was low, and for that to be favored on the under gets me going. Next prop that I like a lot, Giants under seven wins. Under seven wins is plus money. Plus 110 under. Um, yes, please. My last nice prop I have here, Jerry Judy over 65 and a half receptions. It's basically a pick em. Judy had 52 catches last year, 46% catch rate, ranked basically dead last in wideouts. 25% of his balls were thrown off target, eighth highest in the league. He also had 12 drops. I don't think that's happening again. It's a popular breakout candidate. You better hope he has over 65 catches. Teddy Bridgewater going to be more accurate. Supported three pass catchers in Carolina last year. What's there not to like about that prop? ESPN has Judy projected for 76 catches. This line set at 65 and a half. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I like Judy to have a... I wanted to put... I wanted to move Judy up my rankings, but after talking to... uh... Another intern, Jake Fouch, who I brought up a few times. He brought up a good point. This has nothing to do with Jerry Judy's catches, but just something to note if you're a Jerry Judy shareholder. The most touchdowns that Teddy Bridgewater's ever thrown in a season has been 15. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Not great. Not great. Well, I mean, how many of those were full seasons? Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. All right. Teddy Bridgewater's 17-game pace is 18.4 touches per game. Now what? You're creeping that into helps. 20. Cody set his NFL record, get him 20. That helps. I mean, I mean, if Teddy Bridgewater throws for 20 touchdowns, how is anybody on Denver going to be, you know, worth their ADP? That's going to be tough. I think the thing with Judy is, you know, you're counting on him catching upwards of 80 balls. He's not catching 80 balls. Why not? Why not? He's got a lot of mouths to feed. So everybody in the offense is just going to catch 50? Like... No, but fans could catch without a doubt 55. I mean, ESPN has... ESPN, you know who runs the the projections at ESPN? Mike Clay. Our guy, Mike Clay. Does he? He's truly projected for 76. So why can't he get 80? Oh, fun fact. That's crazy. Clay answered my last DM. After not answering my DM for a week, left me on read. Share to break the news? Eh, no rouge. He said he's busy. Typical. Typical stuff. Like if you're going for a girl, you want to hang out? Oh yeah, I'm really busy right now. Maybe if I get some free time in five months. Clay big league me, in other words. I got big leagued by Mike Clay. We'll get him on that next offseason. Yeah, we got we'll big leagued. What are you going to do? I don't know if you got I mean, he answered and he still follows us. It's also so. fun to say I got big leagued. So, and easy sure on enough. the us, easy on the us. Oh, Seriously, up. easy on the us stuff. Anything else, Dan? Any other props? I think that's it for the props. Do you want to mention, Mike, to be on the lookout, our listeners, followers, whoever it may be, for our little, our little uh, kickoff giveaway we're doing or what? Uh, sure. We'll post it on Instagram. We're giving away a little Austin Eckler jersey patch. And autograph card. I think it's number to 
75. I don't know so what that means. Giveaway, there's only 75 of the card. Okay. For those that don't know cards. So there's only 75 of these in, in quote unquote blue that uh, select does for those card card Nazis. I'm sure we have some uh, card card junkies out there. Giving it away. Nice little uh, nice little giveaway to kick off the season. Probably do more of them. So that's that. Football on freaking Thursday, one week away. I can't wait. Mike, do you have a pick in that game? For those gambling heads out there, I feel you guys. And I'm a gambling head as well. Maybe, maybe not. I won't say on the podcast whether I am or whether I'm not. But I'm a guy that locks in late. I don't give you a pick a week before. I give you a pick an hour before, 30 minutes before. I follow the trends. So you miss all the, all the lines. I follow the trends. <laughs> right now, based on my symptom, my systems, you got big money on Dallas, and you got big money on the under. Interesting. I don't lock in until late, so I will not give a pick until Thursday, the day of the show. But maybe we do a, like, a podcast Thursday, you know, leading up to the yeah, game. Maybe. Maybe. I'm going to be maybe. working. Not, I'm working from home this week, so. One thing I want to mention, little DraftKings nugget. We both are going to be playing daily this year as well. Single showdown, man. That's going to be the uh, single game showdown on Thursday. That's going to be the move. I'll, I'll lead you with a fade and a play I like. Obviously, a ton of guys on the Buccaneers you can choose from. Chris Godwin. I like him as MVP. We're fading Mike Evans this year. I like Godwin in the game. I am fading Zeke Elliott in this game. Probably going to have a ton of ownership. Going against... Best defensive line in the league? Yeah, no thank you to kick off my I don't know if it's the best defensive line. It's the best rush defense, though. Fair enough. You get my point. Fading Zeke, I think that's going to be pretty bold. We'll see. That's all I got, Mike. Well, who's your dart throw, then? I didn't get that deep yet. I'm thinking... I'm thinking off the top of my head. Maybe a Jarwin? Blake? Sure. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really do much research. It's just it's off the dome ski. I like Godwin in the game, and I like uh, not playing Zeke. There's not a ton of dart throws on Dallas and Tampa. Yeah, there really isn't. I got nothing. Maybe uh, maybe uh, OJ Howard. I was thinking OJ, but I mean OJ's got legitimately like a fifty percent chance to get a bagel. Get zero. What about yeah. what about? Gio Bernard potentially yeah, could be a high-scoring game. Sure, I saw today though a report came out. Gio has a little ankle he's dealing with. Oh, a little hurt no. ankle. What will we do? Gio Bernard has an ankle injury. Right, Lenny Fournette third down work could be uh could be something. The Blitz by Derek Hardy, who will be on the show tomorrow, 10 a.m. interview with Derek. There you go. Dan, you're more than welcome to join that if you want. Uh, I actually have to go into work tomorrow. To be All right, so that'll be a, that'll be a uh, MD Fantasy and Derek Cardi interview tomorrow, 10 a.m. will be posted Friday. I'm gonna pick the shit out of that guy's brain, but uh, his projection have Fournette over the Blitz. His projections have Fournette over drawing a blank on the running back's name. Rojo over Ronald Jones is here. Maybe I'll uh, I'll send you some questions on my end to ask uh, Cardi. Yeah, no, send me a question or two. Yeah, 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 please. I'm only going to keep him for 15, 20 minutes. I'm not going to tie him down for an hour and a half like this. So, yeah, send me a few questions. And that's really it. Let's see how much time we've been running on. Oh, man, we're on like a buck 30 already. Yeah, but it was running when you were freaking doing... No, I started it again. No. All right, well, we'll All figure right. it out. Any closing thoughts before we get out of here, Dan? We're going to have to get another podcast before Thursday, right? To talk about the game? Just in general, talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about. I mean, yeah, news will break, hopefully, and we could talk uh, week one, damn it. Week week one, damn it, all right. Week Uh, one, start and sits. um, All right, that's it from the MD Fantasy Podcast. I'm Mike Dodino with Dan Koster. Have a good fucking day.
matchup. Stokely. Wow. Oh, he broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. He is. 